Hello, Slate Plus listeners. Our topic for you, if you have not noticed it or been paying much attention to what's happening, if you're not a, a loyal C-SPAN listener like I am um, or watcher, you may have missed that yesterday House Democrats essentially slowed the chamber to a halt to, in order to protest the lack of a vote on gun control legislation, in particular, a bill that would ban people on the terror watch list from buying a gun and a bill for universal background checks. When I went to bed last night at midnight, it was still ongoing. When I woke up this morning at six o'clock, it was still ongoing. Um, And it is, I think, the talk of the town today. And so I don't know, Adam and Rachel, if you guys have been paying attention to this. And if you have been, what, what are your thoughts? I, I I have my own sort of set of opinions and the substantive policy is being pushed here, but just the spectacle of it, I think, yeah. is something very unique and that we haven't quite seen before from Democrats. I mean, it's pretty powerful to see John Lewis, the icon of the civil rights era, who's done his fair share of sit-ins, make this impassioned speech on the House floor flanked by in in that in those first moments you know more than a dozen other democrats calling on the house to hold a vote on gun control measures he's an amazing speaker and then to see him sit down on the floor of the house i mean it's it's symbolically very powerful i mean as far as political theatrics go, it's pretty good. It's, it's kind of as good as you get. And and everyone was transfixed because then the other, of course, the the other story about this is, is a more navel-gazy one. But the C-SPAN cameras cut out because, of course, the House wasn't in session. And then individual Congress people started periscoping or Facebook living the speeches and the sit-in. And that's a whole other conversation about the future of media. But I mean, it's just, it's absolutely fascinating as, as, as politics goes. And we can talk more about the gun issues behind that, but I was transfixed. How about you, Adam? Yeah, the, the there's this core political science question that is, is, is embedded in so many big issues, which is, a huge percentage of the country feels one way, but it's their fourth or fifth or tenth most important issue. And then a much smaller group of people thinks another way, and it's their only issue. And and guns is the iconic example, where obviously you have an unbelievably powerful, influential, small, single-minded group and, and a massive population that wants change, but doesn't want it enough to make it their break-or-break issue. And this is why... We have absurd sugar subsidies because there's like three congressional districts that are entirely built around sugar and they'll trade every vote in the world for great sugar quotas and sugar subsidies. It's similar to Wall Street regulatory reform. Um, We probably all want regulatory reform, but we don't know it well enough. And then there's a handful of banks that know it really, really well and obsess about it. And there's a deep question. How do you take the tepid or or low boil opinion of everybody and match it up against the red hot laser like obsession of a tiny group. Mm-hmm. It's really, really hard to do. And my hunch is it, it's almost impossible. But this is the kind of thing that would begin to I mean, that, in, in a sense, that is what the sit ins were. I mean, they were provoking a, a crisis. They were they were forcing an issue and, and forcing the people who that that minority group, the minority group was was white segregationists, which weren't always a minority. But anyway, um, it was forcing them to defend their position in more and more difficult ways. So, so I think this is the kind of thing that could affect things, if anything could. I, I do want to note, 
the particular bill, the particular issue they've chosen, or at least one of them, is is, is a little gross. This idea, I mean, I don't want people on the no-fly list. I'm pretty, like, you know, I'm a liberal Jew from New York City. I'm, I'm all for gun control. But the no-fly list is a really big problem. Like, just obviously, in, intuitively, I'm sympathetic to the idea of people on the no-fly list shouldn't be allowed to, to buy guns. But the no-fly list is a terrible thing. It's taking people who have... Arab names that are similar, you know, if your name, God forbid, is, you know, Muhammad Abdullah, you know, there's 100,000 of you, but one Muhammad Abdullah maybe is on the no-fly list, and then every Muhammad Abdullah is in trouble. And so spreading and the already— I don't already... even know if you always know if you're on the no-fly list. Right, right. There's no, there's no <laughs> right. due process. There's nothing— Right. Yeah. There's no so way to— So to then deny that person their Second Amendment rights is pretty dicey. Right. And, and then once that's a list that exists outside of the confines of flight, like, then do we— Oh, well, maybe we should have a law that no school teacher can be mm-hmm. on the no-fly exactly. list and no, you know, and on and on and on. I both see the sort of the symbolic utility of all of this, the, the extent to which it does represent a, a break from politics as usual and maybe a push point for people who want gun control. I tend to, you know, I'm a I grew up in rural Virginia. Um, I, I I'm probably more sympathetic to gun culture than your typical liberal, but on the same score, I just find the use of the t- of the of the watch list, the no fly list, very disturbing. Precisely for all the reasons you identified, Adam, the lack of due process, the the secret, the uh, secrecy, the fact that it could easily expand to include other other elements and other things. Um, so I, I kind of wish Democrats had not taken a stand on this particular bill. But I, as someone who does think that some sensible gun, gun control is necessary, I, I'm not entirely. I don't know. I'm not I'm not like sad that they're doing this, but I wish it would have been a better a better object. I also want to point out, even though as as political theater, it was captivating to watch. Also, I'm like, win an election like you're, you're breaking <laughs> the rules, you know. Yeah. And so, yeah, you got to you got to do it the right way. I mean, if they were on the opposite side and Republicans were sitting in, which they've done in the past in some way, shut down the House, they would be saying you're breaking the rules, win an election, and then you get to bring whatever bills you want to the floor. And, you know, in a couple months, we'll see if the Democrats can do it. Right. And one thing that does genuinely worry me, this, this seems like an escalation of kind of enormous breaking that there's like this tit for tat with on one side, you know, Republicans try to hold the government hostage to the debt ceiling and shut down the government. Now, Democrats sort of um, are, are shutting down the business of the House. And where does it end? Do we, can we ever get to a point where we de-escalate and we begin to act as if there are rules and norms that matter in the conduct of politics? Mm-hmm. I'm very pessimistic about this. Um, and this event, this action adds to my pessimism for as much as I think I, um, I'm i not entirely opposed to it. I don't know. I'm conflicted on this. It's a conflicting thing for me. I mean, I will say um, I'm from I'm from Idaho. I'm from gun people and gun country. And when I call home or when I go home and, and end up in conversations about this topic, which I do actually frequently, there does seem to be a growing consensus that American citizens don't need to own assault rifles. I think that's a thing that people are coalescing around in a new way. You know, whether or not legislation is going to make its way to a place where people can hold a vote on it, that's another thing. Again, we'll see what the elections bear out. 
I'm finding the same thing in Park Slope, Brooklyn. <laughs> and, I, and I will just say that assault weapons are scary, but they're not nearly the cause of most gun violence in the United States. And that if we were really serious about reducing both gun homicides and gun accidents, we'd be looking at handguns. But handguns mm-hmm. seem safer to people for some reason mm-hmm. than assault weapons. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's it for Slate Plus. Goodbye, Slate Plus listeners.